All right, we're back on Beyond the Fences Ashes mini series with our second test recap. And joining me again is the elite level fraud, Ryan O'Connell. How are you? I'm good, Ben. How are you? Good. You love that intro, don't you? I do love that intro. So whoever wrote that's really smart. Did you write it? Yep. yep. <laughs> Not the intro. I don't write my own intros. That is my Twitter bio. Is that your, <laughs> you write your own copy and then you provide it to every appearance you just before that's you right. start? Uh, this, as, as part of my rider, I must have these words. <laughs> as my mandatory, mandatory but, intro. But no, obviously the second test finished up last night at the time of recording. And I think if you wanted to give an advertisement to someone who maybe didn't get test cricket, that, that last day specifically, that, that is what test cricket's all about, right? Yeah, it's either if you love Test cricket, that day five was awesome. It was everything that a day five should be, apart from like a run chase. But but if you don't love Test cricket, or don't quite understand it. It would have been a bit like, really, is this exciting for you guys? <laughs> they're, like, not so they're, any- they're trying <laughs> to not win. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've seen people like saying, "Oh, my non cricket liking wife is in the other room telling her parents that no, 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 they don't have to get the runs. It's about not getting out." So. It's one for the one for the purists that one, but no, there, there probably wasn't as much uh, controversy or anything like that compared to the last test. But I think we have to start right at the very top, and obviously we knew Josh Hazelwood was out long uh, a long time ago, but then on the morning of reports coming out that Pat Cummins, you know, got sneezed on in a restaurant or whatever the actual report was, and. You know, everything got thrown into disarray. What was your initial reaction when that happened? My initial reaction was was Hazelwood out, uh, Cummins ruled out, our captain also ruled out. So you got the best test bowler in the world, maybe the best player in the world, the captain, uh, you know, an, another elite fast bowler thought, well, if England are ever going to win a test in this series or if they're ever going to be competitive, it would be this. And that lasted not very long. <laughs> uh, I did think going into the test, I thought, wow, this could be, a, an upheaval, but B, some loss of talent. And those two things might just be enough to get England back into the series. That that was my initial thought. What about you? Uh, I've always been a believer in our bowling depth, um, especially I'm a huge Jai Richardson guy. But yeah, that was obviously based on just Hazelwood missing out. So mm. then you add the the two best bowlers in the side. You know, that's not a slight on Stark. He's probably, it's like 2A, 2B. But yeah. You add, like you said, the the new leader after one test and he's out with illness or contact or whatever it was. Um, on the morning of, it's obviously not an ideal preparation. I thought that might have thrown the team for a loop. But yeah, I mean, I, I, what I didn't take into account was England being England. So, <laughs> Well, the other thing I thought might happen is I thought Smith being elevated the captaincy might bring up a lot of the dark clouds that hang over Australian cricket continuously. I thought a lot of people might go, oh, that's a disgrace to this captain again. It only took one test for this vice-captaincy thing to be a rort. But I didn't really hear too much. There's a few people on Twitter. There's a few talking heads in the media. But it didn't blow up as what I thought it would be. I, mean, I thought that would be a major news story, but it wasn't really. Because yeah. I, I think it just happened all too quickly, maybe. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have time to get their their, um, their headline stories out. No, I... Yeah. They, they were never going to go anywhere else, though, really. And I, just, I guess the the Pizzagate artists could really just sit there and you know, oh, that, that it was all a plant by CA to to get Smith back into the captaincy. <laughs> and now, oh look, that it was a dominating Test win. So what? Why change a winning formula now? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, the conspiracy theorists weren't as enforced as I thought they would be anyway. It's disappointing. Yeah, it was. Come on. Lift your game. Get the pitchforks out, people. <laughs> but on, on Smith's captaincy, obviously, a lot of people have said he's been the best batsman in the world or one of the best batsmen in the world for the last five years or so. But his captaincy was always a bit suspect. Mm-hmm. Um, any real complaints from the last few days? No, not all. I mean, I think he's, to be honest, I've always felt he's a really good skipper when things are going well. He's proactive. He, he, he's a great, not aggressive, but he, he's, you know, he sets some pretty interesting fields. Um, the team, obviously, he has their respect. So it, it's never been, even back when he was skipper before, I never really had an issue when things are going well and the team's on top. It's when things just get a little bit wobbly, he can get a little bit wobbly as well. Um, and they were never really under any pressure in this test. So therefore, his captaincy was never under any real pressure. And no, he's not a shit skipper, but but he's not like an elite skipper when things are going a little bit awry. And he didn't have the talent they probably have now from a bowling perspective that they did probably four years ago. So, um, yeah, obviously, he didn't put a foot wrong in this test. Um, and you can just tell the team really, really do love him. Like, you know, when a bowler takes a wicket, they point at him. Um, you know, he's obviously, there's a lot of plans that go into place or suggestions that come from him to the bowlers, um, field placements. They, like, you can just tell the team absolutely respect him. And that's, you know, that's half the battle with captaincy. Yeah, it, it's sometimes it's the, that old saying where, you know, the best player doesn't make the best leader. Um, and maybe that's true for Smith. But yeah, like in such a, like, and we talked about it in the first test as well. It was a downhill game, really. There wasn't, much decisions that needed to be made. So, I mean, in that respect, you didn't really have to do anything too outrageous. And just on the fielding and all that sort of stuff, field placements, I've never seen a more iconic duo than commentators and complaining about an absolutely mundane field placement. I mean, I I forget, it was probably, I think it was Warney and and Mark Waugh and, you know, whoever it was, but there was a, a point where I think it was early day five and they had... Uh, yeah, they had two slips and they had a guy at short cover and they go, yeah. oh, they spent like the next hour complaining about why they had a short cover in. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I actually agreed with them. I, yeah, so know, did I. That's the annoying part. <laughs> I'm not really sure why you're defending runs. And at one point they had a sweeper as well and that really set them off. Although I think it was Nessie just falling asleep and he was on the boundary by mistake. But <laughs> I, I agree they did need another slipper and another gully in there. But it's just that they labour the point. And Warren in particular, once he's got a, a, an agenda or something he wants to get across, he just kicks it to death. And it just gets boring. Even when he's right, it just gets annoying the, you know far be it from me to tell Warney how to commentate but make a point then get onto a new one it's just so annoying that he just keeps rabbiting on about it and he wasn't wrong no, no. you know Warney's <laughs> very rarely wrong when it comes to tactics if I'm honest but it's just boring yeah no annoyingly I did agree with it too but I thought this is a lot of cricket chat I thought they'd get onto an irrelevant tour from, uh, story from the 1998 tour of Sri Lanka or you know something like that um or Stark Dark again. That's, that's his other. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, well, Stark. Um, <laughs> I don't want to talk about Warney, but he moved on from obviously last test. It was, I don't hate Stark, but, and the, this test, it was a, I don't, oh, who was it? I forget now, but it was, I don't have a problem with X, but Y. Yeah. I forget who it was, but uh, I think he might have been talking about, oh, before I get hate on social media. Like, well, stop talking. <laughs> 
Also, don't get on social media if you don't want to get polled on. Oh, yeah, that's it. Uh, obviously, with the two outs, the two main outs, uh, pretty, you know, pretty much a brand new pace attack. Jai Richardson coming in for his, what's that, his second test or his third test? His third test, I think. Yeah, the yeah, two, think, yeah. two against Sri Lanka a couple of years ago. Um, and Michael Nessa finally getting his debut, which we didn't think was going to happen up until about an hour before the start of play. Yeah. I thought they... They both bowled pretty well. I think on day five, I thought I'm surprised Nessa didn't bowl as much as he probably could have. I thought that was an odd thing. Um, but you know, Lion obviously holding down one end, and then you've got pretty much four paces to rotate at the other end. But what do you think of those two? Yeah, I think they both bowled very well. I think when you've got two, you know, although Richard wasn't on debut, but you've got two new bowlers who haven't, you know, played a lot of test cricket, Nessa and the cricket all, there's always a worry that they might be a little bit nervous, their lines might not be just exactly right. Um, but yeah, I think Richardson was just a touch short at times. I thought he could pitch the ball a bit up, particularly the way that he swings the ball. So both the first and second innings, he was just a little bit short, although he was a bit better in the second innings. And Nessa was just right on target from the get-go, which is probably why he got a wicket, you know, in his second or third ball. So I think they both were awesome. And I think, you know, if you're going to lose two bowlers and those are the two bowlers that come in, that speaks to the depth that Australian cricket's had. Um, and it probably suggests we probably look, should have looked at a rotation policy for the quicks just a little bit sooner and not been forced into it. If you think about that Indian series last year, the, the quicks were tired by, by the fourth and fifth test, uh, but they didn't bite the bullet and rotate. And, you know, this summer probably suggests maybe we did, well, or maybe we could have, you know, Richardson, I don't know if he was fit last year because he's come back from shoulder, but Ness is, I think he holds the record for most 12th man <laughs> in test cricket or something like that. So he's certainly been in and around for a while. Um, and maybe we should have looked at rotating some bowlers last summer. But, um, yeah, I thought they both, both bowled really well. Um, you know, didn't seem to have too many nerves. Um, and, you know, you can obviously tell Nessa is just a great bloke because when he took that wicket, yeah. geez, I haven't seen the Australian cricket team that excited for a teammate in a long time. They were genuinely, genuinely happy for him. Even more so than when Cam Green got his first wicket. Yeah, and Cam Green's deserved a wicket for a while, to be honest. Now he's got three, I think, or four. But I think he went all last summer. Bowling really well, you know, great lines, you know, good pace and, you know, great bounce, but didn't actually get a wicket last year. And because he hasn't been scoring heavily, run, runs heavily, he kind of needs just a couple of wickets just to justify that all-rounder spot, uh, which was good to see him get 33 runs in the second inning, and not out as well. But, you know, now that he's getting a couple of wickets, um, you know, they've got a real talent on their hands. And that and on Cam Green, it came out after the day's play yesterday that well, Smith basically said, oh, they told me not to, to bowl him to manage his workload in the last day until unless it was absolutely necessary. I don't know if you saw that. but I everyone, didn't, I didn't. Yeah, so everyone was obviously wondering why he hadn't bowled. He, he bowled, what, two overs, I think, in the end yesterday. And everyone was saying, well, he, he must be injured. You know, there's no other explanation as to why he hasn't bowled him at least just a few overs to spell one of the other quicks. And then, yeah, in the post-match after, they said that um, Steve Smith came out and was like, yeah, got told by the the team medicos to, that uh, just to manage his workload a little bit, mate, don't bowl him unless it's absolutely necessary. So that was an odd one. That is odd. And that, you know, if I was a journalist and I'm not, but but that's like, well, hang on, you need to justify your spot in the team. You can't, we can't over-bowl him, but he bowled two overs. And if you're the all-rounder, you should be relied upon to bowl at least 10 in a day. So... It's it's a bit of a bit, bit of a worry. I don't know if that had anything to do with the fact he actually batted for a little bit of time <laughs> this, this time around. Maybe they were worried about his workload, but 
yeah, you, you can't have it both ways. He's either in the team to be an all-rounder or he's not. That's a bit weird. Yeah, I, I, it, it didn't look like he was carrying anything, so maybe it was just a bit of babying. I don't know. Not here yeah. to speculate. I, I guess with the with the test almost in the in the in the bank, maybe they were like, okay, we don't necessarily need him to win this game. But yeah, they did bowl like Labashane and Head Smith all bowled some overs, so they clearly needed some overs. Yeah, I, I enjoyed them sneaking in one over, like they they got an extra over him before the dinner break, and then they just gave it to Travis Head. Like, well, that's just <laughs> just wasting everyone's time. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we get an extra. But we'll give it to a non-bowler. Yeah, we'll give it to a pie chucker. And I get the test was in the bag, but like, <laughs> come on. Yeah, um, obviously, Josh Hazelwood's still in doubt with that injury. You'd think Cummins comes back in for Boxing Day. There's been nothing to suggest he won't. Out of Richardson and Nessa, who do you reckon keeps their spot? Oh, geez, it's a good question. Um, Melbourne Deck. Yeah, I don't know. I, I legit don't know. Um, the way that Cummins balls, Cummins is kind of similar to Nessa. Maybe you just want Richardson in there because just for a touch more variety. But I don't know. That, that's going to be a pretty tough question. I, I guess Richardson getting five and getting that bag full in the last innings uh, probably puts him in front, to be honest. Um, you can't really drop a player that's just taken five <laughs> wickets. No, I do agree. And I think Richardson, and look, it's such a, a vague statement, but I think Richardson has that more X factor. You know, he's yeah. a bit he's a bit he's got more pace. Um a lot shorter than the average bowler though. So he's he kind of gets it through a little bit, quite skiddy, but he's skiddy through that that's just that variety I was talking about as well, because he, he's just that bit short and gets a bit of outswing. So it just gives you a slightly different look to, to Cummins and Stark, who obviously get a bit of bounce and Hazelwood as well when he's back. Yeah. So I, I think just the variety that he brings. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the Melbourne deck is like this year because I haven't watched a lot of shield cricket, but um I'd say the Pfeiffer probably gives him the greatest probably nod. And I do, I didn't realize, like I knew he was uh, five foot 10, 11, whatever he is. And so I knew he was short for a bowler, but you don't realize how short he was until I think after one of his overs, Mitch Stark had his hat for him and he, re- he had to reach up to grab his, <laughs> grab his hat off Stark's head. And the, the, the difference was noticeable. It was actually quite humorous. It's like your little, your little brother, like holding something out of reach. Yeah, I'm glad we're talking about height. That's great. Thank yeah. you. Oh, you're a big man. To be honest, it was during the anthem I noticed. I, I legit did not know he was that short, but he was standing alongside whether it was Warner or maybe not Warner because he's about five foot nothing, but maybe Travis Head or something like that. And he was literally, they were the same size. So mm. I'm like, he, he's nowhere near six foot. No. Um, so used to be our, you know, our fast bowlers being six three, six four, six five. that it was it was quite interesting. But it does, from a bowling perspective, it just, just does give you a, a different look because yeah. it, it's more of a honor rather than a you know coming from you from a, a great length a, a great height sorry uh on on well actually i think we might as well talk about one last selection bit before we move on to the other side um marcus harris has pretty much been confirmed by george bailey that he's going to keep his spot for boxing day i i imagine based on the we're winning by a thousand what's the point in changing logic do, do you agree yeah. with that? No, I mean, I'll give you another piece of logic, George Bailey. He's averaging like 18 as a, as a note. <laughs> the ashes. So, you know, where well, I think the interesting thing is, I think they've made the commitment to Graham. They're going to nurture him, want him to build. 
but as we're slightly carrying green at six, to be honest, and that's okay. I think everyone's okay with that because they can see the potential. But you can't carry another batsman if you're going to carry that guy as a young person that you're going to nurture and kind of see through some maybe some low scores and stuff because you can obviously see um, what they might be in the future. But that means the other five batsmen need to be scoring runs. And we've got away from, with it so far because Labashane, Smith have been scoring heavily and Head obviously had that awesome century in the first uh, dig. And so we've got a couple of 90s. But yeah, so we're kind of getting away with it, but you don't want to kind of, and, and I guess, you know, they might say we'll continue to get away with it because England aren't really pressuring us, but against the better side, I don't know if you can be carrying an opener in a number six. So I think Harris needs to score and score convincingly and a lot in Melbourne retaining spot, especially with Quajar just there, like a ready-made replacement who, who has opened in test cricket, who is in good form and probably deserves one more shot. Because if he, if he doesn't get one more shot soon, that will almost be his career. I think he's like 34, 35. So if you're going to give Uzi one more run in the side, you know, it needs to be relatively soon. Otherwise, we'll need to look to someone else for youth. But he just hasn't... He, he looks like a walking wicket, Harris. He looks like he should be playing for England. <laughs> it's funny, though, because it's not like Harris is a selection for the future either. Because I think people don't realise he's already 29. It's, he's not yeah. young. Uh, he's young for test cricket, you know, that they can play till their late 30s. But, you know, for someone who's got uh, 11 or 12 test matches now under his belt, whatever it is, he hasn't, if he was, you know, five, if he was 24, sure, I understand maybe sticking with him for a series, but he, he's going to be 30 next year. And you've got not only Kawaja, but a bunch of young guys in Shield as well that are scoring runs. So, like, yeah. it, it, it's, it's not really a selection for the future when this bloke's already 30 almost. No, it's not a selection for the future. And it's also not you look at him and go, oh, but what about those two innings he scored against X? You know, well, where's where's the... He hasn't got the banner the, innings. Yeah, like where's the innings that just says, okay, well, that's what he's capable of. That's why we need to persist. He hasn't shown anything. He, does he have one half century, I think, from memory? That's about it. He's got an 80-odd against... Who was it? Yeah, a couple of years ago. I remember he got an 80-odd. Um, it might have been at Sydney, I think. I think I was yeah. there. yeah. Um, I forget who it was against, though. Might have been England or Pakistan. Anyway, point is, yeah, he's got one, uh, yeah, 80, 81, 84. Even, you know, when Minus came in, no one really knew who he was, but he had straight away a couple of decent 50s where he fought against the English in England. Travis Head made a, a big 100. Even Matty Renshaw had has that double. So, or sorry, that 184. Um, yeah. But yeah, Marcus Harris. He's, oh, he's got a scratchy eighty <laughs> on a, in a in a in a rain affected Test match in Sydney. So yeah, there's not, and it's not like he's piling on runs and shield as well. So yeah, it's an odd one. It's it's it seems like a, a pretty odd hill to die on in terms of Ashes selection. Yeah. But obviously, the other side, you know, we can't really complain too much about our selections. England. Brought in Broaden Anderson, which I think was expected. Were you surprised that Robinson was the... Oh, sorry, Robinson and Wokes both kept their spots? Uh, I mean, uh, the difference between Wokes, Robinson, um, and Wokes, Robinson, and... Wood. Wood. You know, Wood's probably just a bit quicker and, and gets through the crease a little bit harder. So I, I think he would have been the first person I'd kept. Yeah. Wokes just seems like a very, very good county cricketer to me. You know, he, he's a solid batter. He's a solid bowler. 
But I don't know if he's ever going to win you a test match either with, well, he's not an all-rounder, but he's just a very good batsman as a bowler. But I don't know, he just doesn't seem that penetrating as a bowler and he probably would have been the first guy I'd dropped out of those guys. Um, and, you know, I think Robinson's an interesting bowler uh, now that he's got off-spinner <coughs> and off-spin to his name. Looks like Colin Miller, but at least he's just got a bit of variety, you know. He's he, quite he, tall as well. Quite tall. He wobbles the ball around a little bit um, and he just kind of asks a few questions of the batsman. So... You know, if you are going to pick Anderson and Broad, I, I think it would have been Wokes that I would have dropped first, to be honest. And then it's just a line ball decision between Wood and um, Robinson. Um, but, you know, having looked at what how they bowled and the lack of spinning options they had, they could have probably chosen Robinson and actually said, no, you know, you are going to be that spinner at times for us. And maybe, you know, that, that gives them a little bit more flexibility in who else they pick elsewhere. I mean, the problem with England is they don't look like taking 20 wickets and they don't look like scoring 400 runs. And you've got to do one of those two things in test cricket. You either need to put runs on the board and give your bowler something to bowl with, or you've got to bowl the opposition out. And, and, and you know, they have taken weeks there in this test. Um, but, you know, you know, it was Australia having a bit of a crack in the second dig. Um, so, you know, they, they just, that, their problems are around, you know, their keeping has been up to scratch, the fielding has been up to scratch, the bowling has been up to scratch, and the batting has been up to scratch. Other than that, they've looked really, really good. <laughs> Apart from everything that's gone wrong, they've played all right. Um, <laughs> were you surprised that they did play four seamers, that they didn't pick? Obviously, Leach got tonked in the first test, but... Were you, considering it's Adelaide as well, were you surprised that they didn't pick a, a spinner? You've got to pick a spinner in Adelaide. And if it wasn't going to be Leach, then, you know, is there a second spinner in the, in the, in the, in the squad? I don't know. Or, there or is, you... yeah. I think I told, yeah, Don Bess, who apparently oh, I've been told bowls yeah. worse <laughs> pies than Leach is, is the rundown I've got on him. Well, I mean, do you get creative and you do pick, you know, Robinson showed to be a pretty handy offie. Do you pick him? as, you know, a spinning option who can also give you pace instead of the other way around. And then that gives you a few more options. You know, I just don't know. They just they just don't seem to know what they want to do. And a lot of analysts are saying they're overthinking it. It looks like they're underthinking it to me. Uh, just They just haven't really had plans that suited A, their squad, or B, the two decks that they've bowled on. Um, they just kind of look all lost at sea. And, you know, you've got to have a spinner in Adelaide, um, but they shot themselves in the foot because Leach just got murdered in the first test. So now his confidence will be really shot because he had a really bad test and then not got picked on a deck that you should pick a spinner on. So you can't now bring him back from Melbourne or Sydney because he, he, surely his confidence is going to be an all-time low. So, you know, straight after the first test, they've already kind of done themselves a disservice. And part of that's the batsmen not doing their job because they didn't give him any runs to bowl to in the first test. Yeah. I mean, you watched, and I know day five is day five, but you watched Lyon turning it yesterday and you thought, why did they not pick a spinner on this? It's, and even if Leach, even if he does still go for runs, he's at least a lot more dangerous when it is turning that much. And like Adelaide famously, it just deteriorates to the point where it turns, you know, almost around corners. Um, Well, I mean, a bit of an admission of guilt when Root's bowling so much, Robinson's bowling off spin, Australia give Labashane head, you know, a couple of overs of spin, and then obviously you got Lyons. So well, Smith bowled as well. Smith bowled as well. So both teams, are, you know, turn into their part-time spinners because that's you know can, they can be handy in Adelaide, and and yet you know, England don't even pick a first you know first choice spinner. It's just bizarre. I mean, yeah, 
I just like laughing at them. It was, yeah, it was, a, it was, a, it was an odd decision. Um, even if we don't rate um, Leach as a spinner, and I really don't, but yeah, if if you're going to pick him for one test, it's Adelaide. Uh, batting first, all right, call in the end. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, it depends who you speak to. If any batsman or skipper, you, they say nine times out of ten, you think about batting first, and tenth time you think about it, and then still bat first. So mm-hmm. that that that's the that's the mentality of a lot of people in terms of batting first. Um, the, the deck in Adelaide, you don't really want to be batting on the fourth or fifth day in that deck. It does t- just start to break up a little bit. There's a bit of a variable bounce as well that line was getting. So. I think, you know, batting first in Adelaide, getting runs on the board. The deck's always pretty good the first couple of days in Adelaide, especially day two, day three as it flattens out and it gets really hot normally this time of year in Adelaide. So it can be a bit of a runs bonanza. The other thing, I think the other thing with batting first in Adelaide is you get to choose, you get control of the game when you want to declare and get, then get the other team in under lights if you bat well on that first day. So yeah. uh, you win the toss and bat first in Adelaide, definitely. Um, and I forgot to put this on the notes, but I think it was a pretty obvious talking point, the follow-on, not enforcing it. Yeah. Oh, yeah they, they've been bowling out in that heat all day, so I kind of get it. You, you, it. Giving the bowlers a bit of a rest is not necessarily the worst option. Um, you also take out the chance that you have to bat last in Adelaide if you do just bat again. Um, I, I think it probably could have gone either way, to be honest. Um, but Australia was in no rush as well. I think that when at that when the choice came, there's still two full days, I think, to come from memory, yeah. or, or there's still a lot of time left in the game. <laughs> yep. Under no pressure. So, you know, w- why put yourselves under potential pressure by, by enforcing the follow-on? But but you know, I, I could if they got aggressive, they would have been that as well, but end out I saw a funny thing where um someone sent me no not following on cost Marcus Harris his test career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw someone else say that you know he's been a bit unlucky in the times he's had to bat and that he was thrown to the wolves over in England. I'm like thrown to the wolves, mate. You got selected to open. That's what you want to do. I don't, I don't understand this. You know that it, it is a hard position to bat in the opener because you know you generally facing the new ball, well, not generally facing the new ball, you're always facing new ball, fresh bowlers. Um, you might have to bat at weird times, but that's that's opening. That's the gig. Yep. Um, on England's second innings, and I think it'd be remiss of us to not at least mention Josh Butler's, his test match as a whole, but then, so obviously we found out that if you, if you make him dive at full stretch for a catch, he'll snare it, no problem. If it's a regulation two-hander with one step to the, he's he's a cooked goose. It's there's no chance of him catching it. Yeah, regulation catches are his kryptonite, which is a bit of an issue for a keeper. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he took some screamers and then he drops. Uh, who who did he drop? I think it was Minus. Um, he was on twenty-one. He went on to make a hundred, and then he um he dropped Smith first ball from memory, which was a little bit difficult, but it was you know certainly he'd taken more difficult ones in yeah. his test. And then the poor bugger, he's quite an attacking batsman, but he, you know, he put his batting instead, his aggressive instincts away and knuckled down. And I think he faced what 207 balls, I think, and really yeah. was grinding out. A, Let's talk a, a about t- that. He was grinding out a really tough innings, and it was pretty impressive. 
you know, considering the test he'd had, and then he steps on his stumps, like one of the <laughs> worst ways to get out in cricket. So this is telling. I actually felt sorry for him. Yeah, so did I. And then I, I, I even said that to people, and they, they looked at me like, "Who, who do you think you are?" And I was like, "Oh, sorry, someone took my phone. I actually hate the English." But no, I did feel. I felt yeah, because he seems like quite a likable character, and then uh, two hundred and seven balls, a strike rate of twelve and a half. For someone who's one of the best white ball batsmen in the world, who regularly hits at, you know, one eighty or so in T twenties, I was really impressed by the the knock, and I thought, well, we're not going to get him out of here because he's just absolutely dead batting. He got he edged it in like his first few balls, he, and then that was the one that probably Alex Carey's only mistake so far in his Test career, where he just he left it for Warner, but Warner had already backed away to leave it for Carey. Yeah. He left it for Warner and Warner was already backpedaling out of the way to let him dive in front of him. It was a bit awkward. I've never seen, really seen that before. Like, looked like for, for both of them were trying to avoid it. But yeah, back to Butler, I actually did genuinely feel sorry for him. I think he deserved maybe some red ink or a half century, a, gr- a grinding half century whilst the, the batsmen up the other end lost their wickets. But, you know, he kind of deserved a little bit more for that considering how tough and how much he knuckled down um, or at least deserved to get out like, you know, <laughs> blaze of glory but not stepping on your wickets it's like of all the ways to get out when you've really knuckled down that's probably the worst well, I, I, I saw a stat um and it, it was the hell of a stat so the last batsman to step on his stumps in the test match was Dananjaya De Silva from Sri Lanka yeah and the last batsman to get out hit wicket uh in a test in Australia was Dananjaya De Silva from Sri Lanka but they were two different <laughs> innings Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a nice bit of trivia. Look at you go. There you go. Yeah. Saw that one online last night. It was quite remarkable. <laughs> but yeah, it, you can just imagine him walking into the shed. He would have been like, you can't really say anything to him because he did so well. But gee, there would have been a few quiet, like, you idiot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if someone was feeling particularly cheeky, they would have said, geez, that's a tough way to get out in your last test innings. <laughs> <laughs> or do you, do you reckon... Because obviously English, the English batsmen, there, there probably is going to be changes for Boxing Day. I think one of them, I think the the standard thinking is they'll probably stick with Hamid and Burns at the top. But then you look further down, I think Oli Pope's the one in the firing line. And then you look at um, Johnny Bairstow's in the squad. He's also a keeper. So do you just pick him as a batsman or Butler as a batsman and have Bairstow keep? Yeah, I mean, the other one's Zach Crawley. He's a, he's a pretty good bat. I'm surprised he hasn't played so far in the, the series anyway, to be honest. So they've got him to come in. I, I don't know whether they'll... Well, panic's not the right word, but I don't know if they'll make wholesale changes. Um, you know, the top of the order, you, you need runs from your openers in Australia just to take the pressure off, A, the rest of your um, batting lineup, but also to put some pressure back on the opposition bowlers. You know, at least take, take the shine off. They're not, not doing either of those things. Not scoring runs. They're, they're not protecting their middle order. So I, I think if there is a change to come, I think it has to come at the top of the order, to be honest. Um, who they drop and who they bring in, I'll leave that up to them. Um, from a keeping perspective, it, it'll be interesting to see if that just that one bad drop is enough to get Butler dropped, to be honest, because he did do a lot of good things in the test as well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he's back to like a net zero uh, based on the other catches and any second innings um, fight. So, you know, Bairstow's a good bat in by himself if they just want to pick him as a specialist bat, if he's if, if they think that's the right move. Um, I don't know. They've got a lot of selection headaches, though. You know, they've got bowling issues, batting issues, keeping issues, as I said earlier. So, you know, that they could make a, a whole 
raft of changes if they really wanted to, and you couldn't really blame them. Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, Ollie Pope, he made five and four in this test after, you know, a pretty uh, inconspicuous... Well, he made 35 in the first test in um, Brisbane and then four. So he's got, he's got 48 runs in four innings so far and 35 of them came in his first bat. So I think Best has one option. Is Crawley an opener or is he a lower order as well? I th- I'm stand to be correct. I think he's in number three, but that means he could probably open. You know, there's some of the commentators yesterday were talking about him coming into opens, so maybe he's an opener. But you know, I've seen him bat before, and you know, I think he's got a fair canny cricket record. Um, I think he's a bit younger as well from memory. You know, so I think he might come in. Um, you know, so they've got a couple of options there, but I mean, none of those options just scream, "All oh, right, now they've righted the ship and we're we're good, good, good to go, and we'll win the next three and win the Ashes." You know, oh yeah, he's. He's twenty three, but he's six foot five. That's that's huge for an opener or for a batsman. I'm trying mm-hmm. to think of a <clears throat> the only one I can think off the top of my head is uh, Peter Fulton from New Zealand as an absolutely <laughs> huge batsman. Um, yeah, no, not, not no one change that they make is going to you know paper over the uh, the shit that they've dished up so far. No, it's um, not like they. It's not like they're bringing Cummins back in. No, or, or Hazelwood or. You know. no, the, they're bringing in Mark Wood, most likely, um, who can maybe hit the 140s, but it's not particularly threatening. And look, it, we, we could be listening to this in five years' time with absolute hubris after they've come back and won 3-2 um, after yeah. swinging it around corners in Hobart on day four. But, I mean, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not concerned at this stage. I mean, and, and on our side, I, I don't see any changes that will be made except for maybe Cummins or the, the bowling changes if they're healthy. But, I mean... Like yeah, I, I mean, said, they've, they've pretty much confirmed the batting lineup. So, yeah, they, they said they're going to keep the same squad for the next three tests. So then they're not certainly not bringing anyone new in. But that squad does include Quaja and, and, and all the bowlers, as you said. So, you know, if they're not, if George Bailey said they're not going to make a batting lineup, well, then you obviously stand to believe him. It'll just probably be the Cummins change, would be the one change they'll make. I swear, Harris only has like 13 or 14 more chances before he's, <laughs> before he's out of there. Yeah, bloody, yeah, crazy. Uh, do you have any early predictions or any, what you think is going to happen on Boxing Day? Well, I mean, the only memory I have now of Boxing Day is, is that deck hasn't been great the last couple of years. Uh, I think there's been a lot of complaints. They nearly, they were dangerously close to getting stripped of their test status because that deck was so bad. And so I think it has been too, I can't remember if it was last year or the two years before that, but, you know, bad draws that just petered out and, you know, nothing in it for the bowlers, spongy bounce, all that type of stuff. So hopefully Melbourne have sorted out their deck and there's a bit more in it for the for the quicks or for all the bowlers. Um, and we have a bit more of an entertaining test match because a couple of the MCG test matches over the last two, three years have been dire from memory. Yeah, it's it's a real status test nowadays because the actual plays, you know, there's not there, there aren't bags of wickets on that deck right now. No, no, there's not. Uh, yeah. Well, anyway, another solid win for us. I've, I've nothing else to talk about. Was there anything else you wanted to touch on before we let you go back to whatever it is a single parent does in the off season? Single parent. <laughs> yeah. No, no, nothing more from me. Hopefully there's a little bit more entertainment maybe in this next test. I mean, you know, Australia's one more test away from wrapping up the series, but, you know, it's been a... It's fairly dour series so far. It's great to be up 2-0, don't get me wrong, but you know, so far there hasn't been a lot of highlights. So it'd be awesome to have, you know, a quick fire hunt. I know Travis said got a quick fire hundred, but 
you know, you also have a little bit of fireworks or, I don't know, a bit of tension, maybe a bit of block between the teams, sledging, I don't know, just something just to bring a little bit more spice and entertainment into it because it's been a bit... It's been too friendly. And, you know, I'm sure that's been a bit of an edict under Pat Cummins, who's, you know, still trying to right the ship of the ugly Aussies reputation we've got. Um, and England certainly don't have too much to, to, to talk about. You know, if they started <laughs> sledging, I think we'd like to But, you know, that, whether it's just a bit of, bit of fire or it's a, just a, you know, a remarkable bowling spell or just a great bat, a great innings, just, just uh, the series probably is dying for something interesting to happen. Well, there was talk about a Nessa 100 as the Night Watchman, so maybe that we needed that. Something like that. Anything. Anything. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll let you go. As always, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you after another 200-run victory in the new, in the new year. Pleasure, mate.